Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Consider becoming a Texas Football Insider, our subscription package at TexasFootball.com slash insider. Besides helping to make shows like this possible, you'll also get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts, our archives. We've got all 60 years of the magazine digitized, recruiting analysis, and must-see insights from the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Make sure you catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and on Facebook. And if you like the show, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. Give us a positive rating and tell a friend. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show that you watch sometimes. My name is Greg Tupper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, TexasFootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at TexasFootball.com or on Facebook or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good, back from a trip home. Mm-hmm. She is the Duchess of the Dorks. She's Ashley Pickle. Howdy. So what I'm did back. you, um, uh, the one question, because mm-hmm. I haven't talked to you about your trip to Atlanta. No, you have not. Um, what did you, I know you ate at the Good Storms on the way yes. back. Um, you ate at the Good Storms. But part of the reason to go home is to eat the, 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 eat the food at home that you're not paying for. Yes. So my question is, what did you eat while you were in Atlanta? Um... <laughs> What'd you do for dinner? Most point because you came back yesterday, right? Sunday? Came back yesterday, Okay, so yeah. what'd you do for dinner Saturday night? Saturday night, we had uh, my mom's side of the family over, and we did a big uh, vajita night. Nice. So LP grilled some uh, chicken vajita meat, and Are you saying vajita? Went. Yeah, vajita. Fajita. Fajita. It starts with an F, you know Vajita. That, right? <laughs> I just want to make sure. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> vajita. I don't know. I guess I never realized I said that weird. I just, it just struck me. Like, I, I don't Fajita. know. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Anyway, that's fine. Cool. Good. Because that's kind of the point of going home. Oh, yeah. Is to get spoiled Absolutely. by Absolutely. And my, uh, my granny, she makes a fruit salad that is just my favorite thing in the entire world. And she made me my favorite fruit salad. So that was awesome. I don't like sweets. So. Wait, 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 wait. How do you. Okay. I'll bite. Okay. What makes a fruit salad like. Great. Like how, like I've just always, and this is me being ignorant. Yeah. I've just always thought you cut up a bunch of fruit and put it in a bowl. No, she adds, um, you take basically jello mix Mm. and do it, but it doesn't, the way she does it, it doesn't actually form into jello. The jello mix is just added in for flavor and it still has like a, like a Mm. liquidy consistency. Mm. Um, super good. That sounds, uh, I mean, this is a compliment to your granny. Mm -hmm. That sounds very country and very, it is. Also, I came back with Trisha's salsa, which y'all know is a, is a big deal. I'm I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware of the legend of Trisha's salsa. Breakfast tacos will be on the docket soon for the salsa. Awesome. Awesome. Well, welcome back. Thank you. Today is Monday, September 21st, 2020, 66 days until Thanksgiving episode 1033. I think it's 1033. There's a 1332. 
I had 32. Uh-oh. Hold on. There's only one way to find out. That's to go and look at the log. The last episode was... Because it's, it's, it's entirely possible that both of us are wrong. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, come on, load, Internet. Uh, yeah, there's 1,032. Let's go. I'll be gosh darned. I guess because we didn't do a show on Thursday. 1,032. Yeah, because we missed Friday. All right. It's the Drew Stubbs episode. On today's show, Me Amigos and Me Amigas. Uh, big show. Giant show. We got Monday morning fallout. Then we're going to talk with the head coach of the 4-0 and o, Little River Academy Bumblebees. With the swole bumblebees. Coach Chris Lancaster will join us. <laughs> we'll talk uh, about some Bumblebee football with Little River Academy coach Chris Lancaster. First year at the helm, and he's already got them 4-0. Off, off to a great start. Then we're going to reveal the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press uh, Week 5 Texas High School Football Rankings. We're going to reveal the next few. Did Kendall get you those graphics? Yes. Perfect. We're going to reveal the next uh, the next uh, entries into the UIL 100, uh, 100 players, 100 teams, and 100 rivalries. We will unveil the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Then we'll round it all out with a nice campus crawl. So a lot to get to. Before we do that, do we have first fourth through the door? We sure do. It was Sean Commons, Rob Hadaway, Alan Shepard, and Daniel Agnew. Welcome in, fellas. You know what, Sean Commons? I think he's special, though. Yeah. Okay. His last name's Common. So. Mm, mm. Okay, yeah, that was that was a bad one. Anyway. Sorry, Sean, for that. Pickle. Yes. Hit the air right side time for Monday morning fallout. Well. You want me to do it again? Dude. <clears throat> yeah. In three, two. Pickle? Yes. Hit the air right side time for Monday morning fallout. Monday morning fallout, of course. When we overreact to the football weekend. Lots of overreact to this weekend. Uh, on this, the final week of only small schools. Yes. So we'll get into that. That's part of my thoughts. But we will start... With my three big thoughts. Thought number one, top dogs. I think, so we're now four, we're a month into the season, if you think about it that way. Yes. We're a month into the season. Which seems crazy. So, for four and below, obviously. And I think that there are a couple, or I think there's a, a of, if you look class by class, I think that there are some classifications in which we don't necessarily have a clear number one. Okay? 1A Division One strikes me as a perfect example of a class where we do not have a clear number one. Um, I think that um, 4A Division Two, we've only seen Carthage play once. They're 1-0 and through four weeks. So we don't... I, I just think... I think they're I think they're probably the best team in 4A Division Two. Although, West Orange targets, I'm to say. Um, but, you know, I think there's not enough data to tell. I think 3A Division Two is a little bit up in the air. Um, I think 2A Division 2, Martin Hamlin, uh, and then I think 1A Division 2, you know, if you want to go with Balmeray, although Balmeray does have a loss in the year. But I do think that there are three class cl- classifications, three divisions, whatever you want to say, three that have clear, at this point, number one teams. Clear teams to beat. That doesn't mean nobody else has a chance. That just means that they have established themselves as clear teams to beat. The biggest of these is in 4A Division One, where I don't think at this point anybody can look at the resume that Argyle has put together and think any other team should be the number one team in 4A Division One. Apologies to Lampasas, apologies to Waco La Vega, and again, I think those teams are going to be in it, and I think those teams are contenders, and we'll see what happens when they get together. But right now, looking at the resume, what Argyle has done, 
I think, establish themselves as the clear number one in 4A Division One Right now, on September 21st. That can change tomorrow. But right now, it's got to be them. The other one, the next one, and this might be a surprise, but I think it's Brock. Yeah. Okay? And this is with all due respect to Grandview, mm-hmm. who's obviously 3-0 and the two-time defending champs. But what Brock has put together so far in the early going, capping it off this past week, going on the road and beating a, four, a ranked 4A team in Iowa Park, I think right now, Brock has got to be the clear number one in 4A, in 3A Division One. And again, that doesn't mean that Grandview or Wall or Pottsboro or Malakoff or, or Hallettsville can't beat them. That just means that right now on September 21st, it's Brock. Yeah. They're number one. They've got to be. The other one is Shiner in 2A Division One. My goodness. So they had the, the they had the uh And the, they've had a difficult schedule. They had the wild game of the week. Uh-huh. So they have they went on the road and they beat East Bernard thirteen to seven in overtime. And I just like that that is combined with the fact that they've beaten uh, a ranked Hallettsville team. They've, it's a three A team. They've punched up every. They week. played Smithville, who's a four A team, and a pretty I like a decent four A team. I, I don't think Smithville's going to win the state championship, but they're a decent four A team. They beat them, uh, and then they beat Blanco, who's a three A team, three division one team, I believe. Now they go on the road, on the road, turn the ball over seven times, yeah, and still beat East Bernard in overtime. <laughs> that is impressive. That to me. For now, again, September 21st, establishes themselves as the top dog in 2A Division 1. Thought number two, Road Dogs. The two college football results that impressed me the most over the weekend in the state of Texas were the teams that went on the road. One of them, I believe it's our first game outside the state of Texas, was Texas State going on the road and beating Louisiana Monroe. Yes, Good win. First time since Louisiana since 2015 they've beaten Louisiana Monroe. And they did it without their starting quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Brady McBride was out again, apparently due to COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. They did with Tyler Vitt. Tyler Vitt was able to do it. And more importantly, you saw that defense take an important step forward. They basically sealed the game with that pick six to end the, in the, in, you know, in, in the final minutes. Impressive stuff. The other one was SMU. Now, SMU tra- didn't travel as far. This went up the road to Denton. Mm-hmm. But they were very impressive. They handed it They down. rang up 700 yards total offense and made it look easy against North Texas. Mm-hmm. A huge day from Ulysses Bentley. A huge day from Shane Bouchelle. Reggie. Reggie Roberson. They looked every bit the part of an AAC contender. So the teams that were on the road, I think, impressed me the most. And thought number three, big dogs. It's a canine thing. And that is, now we're into week five of the Texas high school football season, and we're going to be joined by the large classifications, mm-hmm. 6A and 5A. They are going to join us this week. Welcome back. Um, and so, this is when it's kind of striking me that we're going to have two concurrent staggered seasons. Yeah. I think we knew it, and now it's here. Well, and, and that's going to be even really weird once the small schools start playoffs. Like, go- that's the next We are going to have teams that are 4-0 and taking the field this week mm-hmm. and a whole swath of teams that are 0-0 mm-hmm. playing concurrently in the same season. And it's going. I think it's just going to take us all an extra half step to consider it mm-hmm. every single week. 
Now, for those who are in, uh, worried about the nomenclature, we are going to continue to call this week five. Yes. And so whenever whenever the state championships go on, that will be week 21 mm-hmm. for, the, uh, for the big schools. But that's just the way we're doing it. That's going to take some getting used to. And it's just part of the weird world, weird world that we live in right now. So, that's my three big thoughts. Three helmet stickers. A helmet sticker to Rockport Fulton tight end, Caden Harder. He had five catches, 133 yards, and two touchdowns receiving. And you're thinking like, okay, like those are good numbers. Mm-hmm. Five catches, 133 yards, two touchdowns receiving. Keep in mind that Rockport Fulton runs the slot T. Yep. And they were playing... And they're playing Corpus, Corpus Christi Miller. Miller. <laughs> State-ranked Corpus Christi Miller. So a helmet sticker for tight end Caden Harder of Rockport Fulton. A tight end, or I'm sorry, a helmet sticker for UTSA linebacker Trevor Harmonson. Mm-hmm. They take down Stephen F. Austin, and they did it with, I thought, a really impressive defensive effort led by Trevor Harmonson. Uh, he was living in the backfield. He had half a sack. I think he had four tackles for loss. He was all over the field, the clear, in my opinion, leader and the clear best defender for UTSA. Roadrunners, uh, uh, the Roadrunners linebacker Trevor Harmonson gets a helmet sticker from me. And a helmet sticker to Pampa running back Cornelius Landers. He carried the ball 10 times for 93 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. He had two catches for 74 yards and a touchdown, and he returned to kickoff 80 yards for a touchdown. A helmet sticker for Pampa running back Cornelius Landers. Three teams to worry about. Let us officially worry about Burton. Mm-hmm. Burton, now 0-4, been outscored 77-31 this year. They cannot get this offense going. Um, most importantly, this past week they dropped a, a district game to Iola. They're not own one in, in, in district play. And look, I mean, it doesn't get any easier. They get Ganado this week. Yeah. It's Ganado, Snook, Somerville. I mean, th- we are now talking about Burton, who I believe started the year as the favorite in division or in our, in that district, mm-hmm. now suddenly kind of scuffling a little bit and needing to, to right the ship. A little worried about Burton. Let's worry about Baylor. Yeah. So for those who missed the news, I guess it was after we, or I guess it was Friday. We'd have a show Friday. Yeah, their game with Houston got canceled because of afternoon. because of uh, because of COVID in the program, um, and now the first game of the Dave Aranda era will be a conference game. Yeah, and by the way, that's I mean, there's no guarantee they can play, Mm-mm. so we don't know. I'm a little worried about Baylor, and. San Augustine. Now, I'm not super worried about San Augustine, but I'll tell you that as far as results that surprised me on Friday night, um, their loss to uh, their loss to uh, to Winsboro, thirty-seven to six, kind of caught my eye. Now they have, you know, they are now. And I'm not worried about them. One and one. They got the weird one and one schedule. Yeah. They have a game canceled due to lightning, and they beat Elkhart. But the offense kind of got to get into gear here and, and that was a little bit disappointing for them i'm a little bit worried about st augustine <clears throat> but uh you know i'm not not super worried but like if it's not them in uh region three then like suddenly it gets really weird out mm-hmm. there so a little worried about st augustine after the friday night's loss three teams to watch we'll watch lano how about them yellow jackets that was a crazy game. That was a wild ass game. I told y'all, all, all me being from Lano stuff aside, that's one of the best finishes to a high school football game that I've ever seen. So Lano scores twice in the final like two minutes, basically. Yeah, minute and sixteen seconds. They pulled basically they pulled the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. They quite they, literally the Cowboys. The Cowboys uh, uh, kind of 
took took the Lano playbook, yeah. which was score, get an onside kick, score again. Then they came up with the final stop there in the final minutes as uh, you know a very potent San Saba offense was driving for the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they win 35-31. They're 4-0 for the first time. I think it's, thinks it's 08. Yep. Um, and, yeah, Matt, Green's co- Matt Green and company, the Yellow Jackets. Keep an eye on the Lano Yellow Jackets. UTEP. And, look, <laughs> I'm, I'm mentioning this here because it's probably the last time we're going to talk about them in this segment. Okay? But UTEP's to, uh, above 500. Yeah. After after more than one game for the first time since like 2014, go miners. Miners beat Houston Baptist. It was not pretty, but it's it's. But it's a effective. win is a win. <laughs> and when you're talking about a program that hasn't won more than one game in three years, the fact that they are two and one, like yes, good job UTEP. And finally, keep an eye on Rio Vista. Rio Vista is suddenly four and zero. Off to a hellacious start. Um, they've got the big win. Their their big signature win was their opener against Santo. Mm-hmm. But they are 4-0, looking very, very good. Coach Casey Black has done an excellent job there at Rio Vista. Into the teeth of district play now. And if they, pl- they play Bosqueville to open, who, depending on what you think of Crawford, is either... I, I would say that because Crawford's undefeated, Bosqueville's probably the district favorite right now. But if Rio Vista can go and win this game, then suddenly things get very, very serious for the Eagles. Keep an eye on that. Rio Vista, a team to watch. Those are my those are my three teams to watch, and that is Monday Morning Fallout. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to invite you to check out TexasFootball.com for all things Texas high school football. Uh, we have got great stuff up there right now. Uh, become a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. A lot of great stuff there. So texasfootball.com slash subscribe to become a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider. Uh, we would really appreciate it. It would help support this show. If you like this show, then you can uh, you can go and do that. Um, we've got a lot coming up here on the show. Uh, including we're going to reveal the rankings, we're going to do the UIL 100 stuff, um, all that fun stuff. Did I give you the wrong number? I don't think so. Oh, I'll text it to you again. Maybe. I thought I copy-pasted it. Uh, uh, there. What? Hmm. How did I send you that? Oh, yeah, that's way wrong. Boy, howdy. Why don't I send you that? That's on me. That's my bad. I'm going to hold up my hand. That's my bad. I'm not even close. Wrong area code and everything. Anyway, uh, become Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. So please check that out for your health. Um, a lot to get to. Stick with us here on Texas Football Today. A lot of big time um, announcements to make. UIL 100 stuff. Uh, the Dave Campbell's Texas Football rankings. All of that fun stuff. You do not want to miss this. All right, we got the number right. Thank you. Pickle, let's go to the hotline. And let's bring in the head coach of the undefeated 4-0 and Little River Academy Bumblebees. We are joined by Coach Chris Lancaster. Coach, how are you? I'm outstanding. How are you today? I'm excellent. How are things in beautiful Central Texas? Well, right now, a little rainy. Um, 
hope it blows out of here so we can get some good practice in this afternoon. Uh, but uh, other than that, everything's good. Well, well, it, you guys are off to an, an unbelievable start here in, in your first year, four and zero out of the gates. Uh, feeling pretty good after your big win over over Lago Vista. You're in your first year there at uh, at at Academy, and and I'm interested. After such a strange offseason and after not being able to practice as much as you want, not being able to be together with your guys as much as you want, um, what do you think has been the key for you guys to, to come out of the gate so hot uh, off to a 4-0 start already doubling your win total from, from last year? Well, I think it's a combination of things. Number one, I'm not going to share it. We, we got some talented athletes on our ball club. Uh, we've got some playmakers. And, uh, and number two, I think we've got a good coaching staff, meaning not only just good coaches, but good teachers. And they're good men. And I'm very excited about the staff we were able to put together. And, uh, and then number three, I think just the hungriness. These kids, the kids were just yearning for something to look forward to, to get to play. And uh, they've been really excited about things that we've been doing. And uh, they're buying into our philosophy and, and everything we're trying to sell them. And uh, it's just been it's been a fun ride so far. Uh, you guys, uh, one of the big things that I think has has really stood out at least through your first couple of weeks uh, has been the defense. Uh, you guys have uh, you guys uh, start off the year with a twenty to fifteen win over Rogers. Then you pitch uh, you hold Clifton at ten in the back to back shutouts over Grosbeck uh, in Lago Vista. Um, did you have a feeling coming into the season that this was going to be a defense first squad? Because I'll be honest, it sure looks like you guys are right now. You know, really didn't know exactly what our blueprint or our snapshot was going to be until that first ball game. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we faced a lot of adversity against Rodgers, and our kids just hung in there and was real tough and, and uh, then don't break kind of mentality. But I tell you what has been helping us is in our last four games, we have forced 15 turnovers, um, seven fumbles, and eight interceptions. Mm-hmm. And so – that's what we're living on right now, and our kids are just doing a great job. And again, it starts with our coaching staff. You know, our defense coordinator Eddie Dubry and his staff has done one heck of a job. And uh, and the kids are again just buying in. And again, we're trying to bend but don't break, and and uh, keep everything in front of us. And and uh, it's just been fun to watch. So. We're talking Chris Lancaster, the head coach of the Little River Academy Bumblebees here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation at hashtag uh, TF Today. Coach, uh, I mentioned that, that you took over a program that, that you know went in 2-9 and nine last year. Uh, they haven't won more than four games uh, since 2015, yet you're off to this 4-0 start. Um, can you sense the confidence growing in that locker room? Can you sense that these guys are like, okay— like that hard work, like it's it's finally paying off. Because I know, look, I think it's easy for for coaches to whenever you you're winning a lot to be like, just keep doing that. But sometimes it's harder to turn that tide. Do you, do you sense the feeling in, in the locker room that these guys are starting to believe a little bit? Oh, no doubt. Um, but you know, you know, it's, we're still making too many mistakes. Uh, we we are. So one of the hardest jobs right now is you don't want to take the wins away from them. You don't definitely don't want to take the excitement away from them. But at the same token. You know, we got to clean up a lot of mistakes. We, I don't think we've played our best ball game yet. And, and uh, I know for offensively we have not. And uh, we can also improve in the special teams. And there's some things that we got to improve in defensively. But, again, I'm not going to take away the excitement that, that is developing in there, the confidence. Uh, what we got to do is we got to bear down and focus and, and uh, you know, 
uh, clean up a lot of things to, to become a better ball club. Because as we all know, this is going to be a tough district run right now. You know, we start with Lorena this week. And uh, mm-hmm. our district, you know, you got Troy, who won it last year. You got Cameron Yo, Rockdale, uh, Lorena coming down from 4A into 3A. And then you got Caldwell and then ourselves and McGregor, who's right there outside of Waco. So mm-hmm. it's a tough district. And uh, it's going to be have to roll our sleeves up and get to work. Uh, you know, you mentioned Troy. That that's where you, uh, you your your most recent stop. You were the offensive coordinator for the Trojans last year. You you, you make the move over to Academy to, to become their head coach. You know, I've I, we've we've heard people talk about why you're such a good fit for for this program and why it's 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 a it's uh it's the right kind of move for them. But I want to kind of take that question and flip it on you. Why why was Academy the right move for for Chris Lancaster? Well, there's a combination of things. Number one, um, I had been a head coach before, mm-hmm. and uh, I was there at Troy for six years and really enjoyed my years there. Coach Porter, Ronnie, Ronnie Porter and I were really good friends and worked very well together. But I don't know, I kind of was itching to become the head coach again. And then the opportunity presented itself down here. Um, I got several uh, buddies down here, number one being the athletic director, Jared Hunt, who uh, – just I can't say enough about and and uh, the new superintendent here and I just kind of felt this was a right fit for myself and my family and uh, with the opportunity to bring a couple of guys with me um, I don't know just to, the opportunity to be a head coach again and you know you want to you want to jump back in the water and see the things that you're preaching or what you're about your philosophies if it's going to work again and uh, and so right now you know everything's Everything's good, but I know there's going to be a big bully out there somewhere, and uh, we're going to have to learn to roll our sleeves up and get tough. Oh, but um, it was just a great opportunity for me and to be down here with this, with this community. Well, and you mentioned the the district play. It's it's right. At, you know, you guys are four and zero, but you are heading headlong into one of the toughest districts in the state, and and it starts Friday night, seven thirty p.m. at Leopard Field or Leopard Stadium, rather, in Lorena, as you guys take on uh, the Leopards of Lorena. And and I know you're already working on your game plan. I'm not going to ask you to give that away here on the air, but when you take a look at what you guys are up against uh, on Friday night, what do you see from Lorena? Well, number one, Ray Biles is number one, a first-class man. I'm, I've known Ray for years, and, and uh, being and from, I'm not from the Waco area, but I've coached in that area for years at the college level and the local high school level. But I've known Ray for years, and I know what kind of character he has and what he instills in his team. And then you look at the whole community itself, well-supported. And these kids are hard-nosed. They do a great job, uh, not only in-season, but off-season. They have a lot of the resources, you know, a lot of 7-on-7, a lot of commitment to the weight room, things like that. And if you just see a good program on film, and uh, I have been able to play them at, uh, at Troy. We've played them in the past. So I know a little bit about their mentality uh, and things of that nature. So it's going to, like you said, it's, it's going to be a, ooh, it's, it's going to be a tough one, I think. Uh, finally, uh, Coach Chris Lancaster of Little River Academy. Coach, I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, the fact that you are uh, a guy who's got a little bit of playing experience yourself. You were the starting fullback for Clemson back in the mid-'80s. Uh, and so I have to ask you, what do we think about our Tigers this year? Are we feeling, you know, I mean, obviously you got Trevor Lawrence back. You know, things are things are trending up. Yeah. How, how, how do we feel about Clemson this year? Uh, I feel good about them, you know. But, but again, in, in, in this business <laughs> – I can't focus on them. It's hard. You know, I was able to watch uh, about three quarters worth this past week, uh, this past Saturday. Um, 
you know, again, Coach Sweeney and his staff, I've got, I've got several great friends on that staff. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the blueprint that he has done and what I really appreciate about Coach Sweeney, and I think a lot of coaches should follow suit, I know I am, is he's putting the fun back in football. And he's putting family, he's putting faith, he's putting the things, he's taking, yes, it is corporate, but yes, football is a grind, but you can also make it fun for the kids. And I think in today's age, um, that's very important in these young people's lives. And, and I've really appreciated what Dabo and, and his staff have been able to do. Yeah, don't get me wrong, it, it takes athletes, but they've been able to get the athletes, they've been able to have the the resources to have the facilities. And, I mean, they're in the top five of the nation, I would dare say, right now. And uh, a little bit different from when I was there back in the 80s. We, we, we did have face masks and, and things of that nature. But, <laughs> and, and we did use good old fullbacks back in the day. Uh, but, anyway, I'm just very proud that um, – that I'm an alumni and very proud of what our school has been able to do. Well, and, and I mean, we can all agree that we need more fullbacks in football, right? Well, I think so. Yeah. No. Well, you, you, you know, know, it's hard. We're on the same page there, Coach. We need more fullbacks like you. I got it. He's Chris Lancaster. He's the head coach <laughs> of the 4-0 Little River Academy Bumblebees. Coach, really appreciate your time. Congratulations again on the fantastic start, and uh, best of luck Friday night against Lorena. Hey, thank you. And you know what? Y'all do a fantastic job of it for these kids. And just keep it up. We appreciate you, what you do, okay? Thanks very much, Coach. Take care. All right. Thank you. There he goes. Chris Lancaster, the head coach of the Bumblebees of Little River Academy. They got that swole bee. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, a, that was a big hit back in the old house um, when we were doing the bracket challenge for the logos. Little, everyone, hey, listen. Everyone loves listen. swole bees. Little, little River Academy. I think... There might be a private school that's also the Bumblebees. I might be mistaken that, but they might be the only Bumblebees. But uh, right now, you know, as I mentioned, this is a this is a program that uh, they have not had a winning season. Oh, I had that pulled up, you big dumb dumb. Why'd you exit out of that? Yep, 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 Jamoke. They haven't had a, a a winning season since 2014. Um, but trending in the, in the right way. Now, look, four and off to a great start right into the teeth of that very difficult Central Texas district, right? Cameron Yo, Rockdale, Lorena. Uh, it is a really, really difficult district, and they're going to have to earn their way through it. Uh, you know, that's not even to mention Troy, who's who's in there as well. But, uh, in fact, that's the that's the season finale, is uh, their home against Troy. So uh, they, they'll, he'll take on his old squad there in the finale. But so far, so good uh, there in Bell County, uh, and we appreciate uh, Coach uh, Chris Lancaster from Little River Academy joining us here. We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com. Talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Hey, Pickle. Yes. Dave Campbell's Texas Football is the official rankings provider of the Associated Press. Uh, they've published. We have published the most, the state's most respected Texas high school football rankings for decades, and we've been the official rankings provider of the AP since 2019. We are now ready to unveil the Week Five Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press official Texas high school football rankings. Once again, this is the last week we will not go through 6A and 5A because no changes. Check out the magazine; it's the same. Um, but we will start with 4A. We take a look at the 4A rankings where a little bit of a shift as Waco La Vega's loss to Argyle drops him to number four, the new number two team in the state, 
the lamb passes Badger, Badger, Badgers, whose game uh, against China Spring was canceled this week. Dumas up to number three. Port Lavaca Calhoun up a spot with a win over a good Bel Air Episcopal squad. Corpus Christi Cal Allen was idle, but they get to jump a couple spots because of some chaos in front of them. And three new uh, Canyon up three spots from number 10 to number seven and three newcomers to the rankings. Melissa, big win over Stephenville. They are up to number eight, Springtown. They beat Godly. They are number nine back into the rankings and number 10 after their big win over Midlothian Heritage. Paris into the top 10. For Division 2, a little bit more ho-hum at the top. Top 5 unchanged. Carthage, Pleasant Grove, West Orange, Stark. Huge winners over Newton. Yeah. Impressive stuff. Gilmer comes back and beats Lindale. They remain number 4. And Jasper beats Harden Jefferson and remain number 5. Belleville up a spot after their impressive win over Rockdale. China Spring, who is idle, is up a spot at number 8. Iowa Park drops a pair of spots, losing to Brock. And uh, Wimberley up a spot after the win over Fredericksburg in a very narrow win. And new to the rankings, number 10, center. Keep an eye on center. Three yeah. and one. Very impressive win over there. Tyler, Tyler Chapel Hill. They are the number four team in Dave, or 10 team in Dave Campbell's Texas Football's four Division two rankings. To 3A we go. Uh, only one real change. Top seven unchanged. Brock, Grandview, Wall, Pottsboro, Malakoff, Hallettsville, and Shallow Water. All either idle or winners. Yoakum up a spot to number nine. Mount Vernon was idle, but they bump up a spot to number 10. And new to the rankings, replacing Rockdale, who drops out is Winsboro. Winsboro's impressive win over San Augustine earns them the number 10 spot in 3A Division 1. To 3A Division 2 we go, where there was a little bit more chaos. Three teams drop out. Number 5, Newton. Number 7, Paul Pewitt. And number 10, Abernathy, who lost to West Orange, Stark, Salina, and Post, respectively. Top 2 unchanged, though. Canadian and Gunner up there. Lexington up a spot despite being idle. Dangerfield beats Elysian Fields. They are up two spots. East Bernard's overtime loss to Shiner drops them a pair of spots from number three to number five. Poth up two more spots as they continue to have the very, very strange strategy of just beating the crap out of everybody yeah. they see. Maybe <laughs> Dilly 62 to nothing. Spearman cracks the rankings at number seven with a big win over Vega. Childress up a spot despite being idle. Their game uh, was canceled against Shallow Water earlier. Um, Idaloo into the rankings at number nine. And Franklin rejoins the rankings with their impressive win over Troy. To two-way we go. Top three unchanged. Shiner, undisputed number one team. Refuria behind them post. Impressive win over Abernathy. Lindsay, the big mover, up five, four, three spots from number seven to number four. What's that? Five, four, three spots. Three. Uh, Joaquin <laughs> up four spots uh, with their shutout win over Orr City. They're up to number five. San Saba uh, remains the same despite a close loss to a bigger team in Lano. New to the rankings, the entire bottom four here. Crawford up to number seven with their win. Schulenberg into the top ten with a win over over uh, Flatonia. Tempson joins the rankings at number nine. And Panhandle is the number ten team. To 2A Division two where this was pretty chalky. Yeah. Uh, everyone, with the exception of number six, is the, is the same. Mart, Hamlin, Wellington, Winthorpe, and Wink, all the same in the top five. Clarendon, Bremont, Albany, and Wheeler all up a spot. And new to the rankings, Archer City joins the rankings at number 10 with a 56-28 win over Henrietta. To the six-man ranks we go with our, the help of our friend and six-man insider, Granger Huntress of sixmanfootball.com. Uh, a lot of changes here. Sterling City's big win over Borden County vaults them to number two ahead of BC. Rankin uh, edges Lakey in a crazy that game. That game was awesome. That game was bananas. <laughs> 98-97. They stay the same at number four. Lakey uh, uh, is actually up a spot uh, from one rank uh, one with their win over, or rather their close loss to Rankin. 
New to the rankings, Knox City joins the rankings at number nine. Impressive stuff from Caleb Calloway's squad. They beat Ira 55-16. to uh, 16. White Deer uh, had to make room for them, so they dropped two spots. Over to 1A Division 2, uh, Richland Springs uh, leapfrogs uh, Idle Calvert for the number two spot. Motley County up a spot. They they swapped places with Jayton, who lost to O'Donnell this week. Uh, Klondike and Groom stay the same at number seven and number eight. New to the rankings, number nine, Whit Harrell. Their win over Sands gets him into the number nine spot. And Throckmorton up to number 10 with a win over Newcastle. To the private school ranks, again, most of these private schools have not played. The top three, in fact, did not play. Parish Episcopal, John Paul II, and Fort Worth Nolan, all idle. Trinity Christian Cedar Hill went on the road to Arkansas and played Bryant and lost. They dropped the spot. While San Antonio Cornerstone bludgeoned Louisville Founders Classical, they stay the same at number five. In the six-man ranks, top four did not play. All idle. Bastard Tribe Consolidated did beat Houston Northside Homeschool. They remain the same at number five. You can find all these rankings at texasfootball.com slash rankings. That's texasfootball.com slash rankings for the official Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press rankings. Please check that out. Okay, let me pull up my other read for this. It's all going great. Okay. In celebration of 100 years of UIL Texas High School football, the UIL and Dave Campbell's Texas football have teamed up to honor the best, the brightest, and the most unforgettable icons and legends in the sport's illustrious history. With the help of some of the state's foremost experts and historians, the UIL and DCTF will honor 100 of the greatest players to ever suit up in Texas, 100 of the finest teams to ever grace the gridiron, and 100 of the most fabled rivalries that give the game its one-of-a-kind flair. Each week throughout the 2020 season, Dave Campbell's Texas football will announce 10 honorees on each list, an indelible honor to be known as one of the greatest in Texas high school football. Fans will then have the opportunity to weigh in, voting for the player, team, and rivalry they think is the best of the best to be named as a UIL 100 fans choice. It all leads up to a celebration as big as Texas, celebrating the UIL's 100 players, teams, and rivalries, and the fans choice top 10 in each category at the UIL's Texas high school football state championship games at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington this December. We will start with the players. The players named to the top 10 or to the uh, UIL 100 years, 100 players list this week. San Antonio Lee wide receiver Richard Osborne. Orange offensive lineman Ernie Ladd. They called him the big cat. Allen quarterback Kyler Murray. Fort Bend Willowidge running back Thurman Thomas. Sealy running back Eric Dickerson. Port Arthur Jefferson quarterback Todd Dodge. Houston Worthing wide receiver Cliff Branch. John Tyler defensive back Aaron Ross. Robstown offensive lineman Marvin Upshaw and Duncanville defensive back Ray Crockett. Vote for the fans choice top 10 at texasfootball.com slash UIL100. On to the teams we go. The teams presented by our friends at HEB. This week's teams, uh, 1989 Fort Hancock, one of the great six-man teams of all time, part of that six-man dynasty in the early uh, late 80s, early 90s. 1959 Corpus Christi Ray. 2001 Ennis, the Graham Harrell, Sam Harrell year. 2015 Katie, 1956 Stanford, led by Mr. Touchdown, Joseph Anzalone, or Anzalone, rather. 1989, Odessa Permian, Mojo Magic. 1932, Fort Worth Masonic Home, the Mighty Mites. 1979, Temple. 1985, Jayton, 
second of back-to-back years for the Jayden Jaybirds. And 1996 Austin Westlake, the Drew Brees uh, year with Ron Schrader. You can vote for the Fans' Choice Top 10 presented by our friends at HEB at texasfootball.com slash UIL. And the newest members of the UIL, Texas High School Football 100 Years, 100 Rivalries list. Pampa versus Borger. Laredo Martin versus Laredo Nixon, the Hammer Bowl. The Battle of Highway 77, Giddings versus LaGrange. Goldthwaite versus San Saba. Mid-County Madness, Port Natchez Groves versus Nederland. Arlington versus Arlington Lamar, the Peach Bowl. Abilene versus Abilene Cooper, the Crosstown Showdown. Had to include that. Henderson versus Kilgore. El Campo versus Wharton, Wharton County Rivalry. And finally, Brownsville Hannah versus San Benito, one of the oldest rivalries in the Rio Grande Valley. So those are the members of the UIL 100 Years, 100 Rivalries. You can vote for the Fans' Choice Top 10 at texasfootball.com slash UIL100. And here's the thing that kind of stinks about it, right? Mm-hmm. Is that because we lay out these 10 every week, that means that either, for example, Kyler Murray, Eric Dickerson, or Thurman Thomas, or like Todd Dodge, Dodge or yeah. any of these guys, will not be on the top 10. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That's the tough part of this. That's why we didn't want to do it. Right. That's why we left it to you. It's your fault. And we will, There, like, this is just 10 for this week. Like, there is still yes. the rest of the 80 now yeah, left. So 80 more. Don't so yell at us. Don't worry. If there's not your favorite if your team, in there. <laughs> if your favorite team, favorite player, favorite rivalry has not appeared yet, don't worry. We've got eight more weeks of this. There's 80 more to go on each list. TexasFootball.com says UIL100 for more information. Finally... Dave Campbell's Texas Football, in partnership with the Texas Bowl, is proud to present the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week Award to the most deserving high schooler in the state of Texas. Every Monday at noon, 1242-ish, Dave Campbell's Texas Football announces 10 candidates for that week's award based on the previous week's on-field performance. We then uh, let leave it up to you voting at texasfootball.com on the front page. Voting closes each Friday at noon, with the winner being announced shortly thereafter. Your Week 4 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Buffalo quarterback Brett Hoffman went 21 of 26 for 426 yards and six touchdowns passing, added 63 yards on the ground for the Bison. Kennedy running back and linebacker Jaren Salius. Saleh, rather. I think it's Saleh. I do not know that one. Salius. Jaren Salius. That's what we'll go with. 271 yards and four touchdowns on the ground, nine tackles and four tackles for loss for Kennedy. Snyder athlete Cams Smith, 12 carries for 156 yards and four touchdowns, 19 receiving yards. He also added four touchdowns or four tackles rather and a pass breakup. Blue Ridge running back and uh, and free safety Utah Parath. How about this? 318 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. He added six tackles for good measure. Shelbyville quarterback Ja'Cory Stanley. He went 15 of 19 for 388 yards and four touchdowns passing. He ran for 109 yards and two touchdowns, and he had four tackles and a pass breakup. Jeez. Hallettsville running back and safety Jonathan Brooks. This is maybe the crazy result of of the week. 14 carries for 271 yards and four touchdowns and added three tackles for good measure. Jonathan Brooks, up for Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week. So is West running back Trey Janik. 309 yards and four touchdowns on the ground for the Trojans running back. Spearman athlete Brennan Thompson. 
152 yards and two touchdowns uh, rushing, 69 yards and a touchdown receiving, and he returned an interception return for a touchdown for Spearman athlete Brennan Thompson. Wink quarterback Cannon Gibson, 208 yards and three touchdowns passing. He also carried the ball 30 times Goodness. for 197 yards and three touchdowns. A workhorse, Cannon Gibson, uh, for Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week. And finally, Wilson athlete Dominic Varela ran for 273 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground and added 48 yards and a touchdown passing. So those are your week four Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Buffalo quarterback Brett Hoffman, Kennedy running back and linebacker uh, J. Re- uh, Ren Salace. I think I said like seven different times. I'm sorry, J. Ren. <laughs> Uh, Snyder athlete Cam Smith, Blue Ridge running back in free safety, Utah Perez, Shelbyville's Ja'Cory Stanley, Hallettsville's Jonathan Brooks, West's Trey Janik, Spearman's Brennan Thompson, Wink's Cannon Gibson, and Wilson's Dominic Varela. Vote early, vote often, vote now at TexasFootball.com. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. All right, Miss Pickle. Let's round out our Mega Monday show with a nice campus crawl, a nice roundup of all things Texas college football, the 12 FBS teams in the state of Texas. Of course, they're in a mystery order. If you can guess the mystery order, we will say cool. Yeah. Good job. We need, <laughs> we need to get this sponsored so we can have like a cool prize for it. But then I would have to like think about it instead of like putting it together at the last minute. Anyway. Yeah. Let's start with Texas State. Texas State. Beats Louisiana Monroe 38-17, and, and look, I don't think Louisiana Monroe is a world beater, but this is an important, I think, bounce-back win for Texas State, who has been on the doorstep twice. They need to get over the hump. And most importantly, it's a conference win. Yeah, they there were finally able to fin- finish fully yes, a game, and they that's did. big. The, they, played, they, they, they were finally able to play 60 full minutes. And look, we don't know the status of Brady McBride. He, he did not play once again this week um, because of, from what we understand, COVID protocols. Uh, Tyler Vitt, I thought, was okay. I, th- I think he did what the game asked him to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was not pushing the ball down the field. They were playing it pretty safe with him. Uh, but he ends up throwing for 256 yards, runs for another 82 yards. They were not able to get the, the ground game going as much as I would have liked them to do, As you know, aside from basically a couple of long runs from Tyler Vitt. Um, they need to get that ground game going. But the defense, I thought, made a, a really nice uh, step forward. The running game, or the rush defense, I thought was very strong. Colby Suits did carve him up for 377 yards, but he'll do that on you. Uh, and most importantly, uh, they, had the, uh, they had the big defensive play. They had the big defensive play, which was Jaron Morris's uh, interception return uh, for a touchdown. He was uh, he comes up with the big play to, to to wrap it all up. I thought the defense was really good. They were they were in the backfield a lot during this game, uh, and uh, and just you know they were winning at the point of attack, and that that was very important for them. So Texas State, uh, a good win uh, for Jake Spavitt Hall's crew. SMU, they had themselves a day. I'll say. Uh, they ring up 710 yards total offense and and really bury North Texas out of the gates. Those receivers are yeah. incredibly explosive. I mean, they just get it in. Roberson, Roberson and Rice are both. I mean, we 
one of the questions we had coming into this year was like, we know you have Reggie Roberson and he's great, but who's going to be like the next, the next guy? guy? Who's going to be yeah. the depth? It, it can't just be a one receiver team. Uh, Rishi Rice is is awesome. Yes, awesome. And he was fantastic. They, but they just they don't even get touched. <laughs> let's not bury the lead here. The, the lead here is um, Ulysses Bentley. Yes. Um, like. We thought T.J. McDaniel was going to be the the, mm-hmm. the lead back. Well, apparently in this one, my goodness, 19 carries for 227 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. He had a long. Uh, part of that is is buoyed by a long 84 yard touchdown run late in the game. But uh, yeah, Ulysses Bentley went crazy in this game. Uh, look, is the defense awesome? No. Does the defense need to be awesome? Arguably not. You're going to put up 65 every game. Doesn't really matter what your defense does. Defense is still a little bit of a concern, um, especially uh, especially uh, you know uh, uh, North Texas was able to run the ball a fair bit, uh, and and you know I'm not crazy about the off or the defense, but SMU two and zero both away from uh, Ford uh, Ford Stadium. So next up, let's stay with that game and talk about the flip side with North Texas. Yikes! Uh, let's talk about the defense, which is now officially a problem. Um, we thought. After uh, in their in their opener against Houston Baptist, we kind of looked at them. Houston Baptist, yeah, yes. Houston Baptist, we were like, eh, you know, Bailey Zappi's pretty good. You know, they, they maybe they took their foot off the gas, stuff like that defensively. Um, well, that defense is going to be a problem. That defense, if you're going to let somebody carve you up twenty four thirty three, and you're going to allow seven yards to carry on the ground. Things are problematic. Well, I don't even know what they're going to start doing about their defensive back situation because they came in without two of their mm-hmm. starters, and then the next two got hurt. Like, yeah. where do you start pulling those guys from? They are really thin in the secondary suddenly. Yeah, and and the secondary was a big no question for them coming there. into the season, and and it's not getting any better. Mm-mm. So uh, problems there. Um, now they get um, – who do they play this week? Houston. Yes. Which I mean, Yikes. who knows? I mean, yeah. we think right. We don't. That's we don't know. Play. I mean, we don't know. So. And they're supposed to go down to Houston. Yeah, they're going to Houston. So, in any case, not not fun times in Denton. Talk about fun times in the Alamo Dome, though. UTSA. Um. Now look, this game was a little nip and tuck, and I'm not. The the offense is, uh, you know, it was a little bit of regression to the mean, I think. I think they looked really good against uh, Texas State. They looked okay against Stephen F. Austin. Um, it, it was kind of like, here's the thing about them. Frank Harris and Sincere McCormick are awesome. But if they don't get anyone else going, they kind of become kind of predictable. And I think that Stephen F. Austin was able to kind of uh, identify that uh, a little bit. Um, you know, it doesn't help that they put the ball on the on the turf three times. They also threw an interception. But, look, a win's a win. The defense, I thought, did pretty well. We had questions. You know, one of the things was, I think the rush defense continues to be very, very strong. Trey Self, the quarterback for Stephen F. Austin, was okay in this game. That was one of the things we kind of read into this game was, are they going to be able to, um, is Stephen F. Austin going to be able to challenge them passing the ball? The answer ended up being largely no. Yeah. Um, you know, they had a couple of big plays, basically, but that was more or less it. Um, overall, uh, a really solid uh, 2-0 start for, for Jeff Trailer squad. Uh, they've got to be feeling pretty good as they now head into their next game, which is against, uh, the, yeah, that's right, the, the weirdo last-minute Middle Tennessee State See, game. Yeah. Yeah. So, next up, Texas Longhorns. They were off. They were off. Next up, the UTEP Miners. <laughs> Bring on the parade, baby. <laughs> two, 
Two and one, baby. Let's two go. And one. Look at those miners. Two and one. That's all that matters, man. Wins wins are hard to come by in El Paso. And the fact that they now have two wins, they have multiple wins for the first time since 2016. Think about that. Is that right? Hold on. Let me make sure of that. Yes. Um, I'm fairly certain that's right. Let me make sure of that. Um, they are, yeah, that's multiple wins for the first time for them uh, since uh, 2016 when they went 4-8. and eight. Um, That's a cause for celebration. I don't care who it's against. I don't care if it's against the Little Sisters of the Poor. Okay, but it wasn't. It was against a decent Houston Baptist team. And by the way, which is Division One, which is Division One, just FCS. Yeah. And by the way, look, the uh, I thought that the I thought that the defense played, or I'm sorry, not against Houston Baptist, Abilene Christian. I thought the defense played pretty well. Now we had questions about Abilene Christian's offense, Peyton Mansell uh, at, at the quarterback spot. They weren't really able to run the ball much, but the defense played well. The offense once it woke up looked okay uh it seems like they have a a a a long kind of a, a deep bench of running backs josh fields and, and ronald watt had a touchdown um i'd like to see them involve walter don jr more i think he's their game breaker but uh look two and one is two and one and at, at utep you are not in the business of looking wins in the mouth so overall i thought that that was really solid for utah texas tech they were off did not play. Nope. Baylor and Houston. We'll look. We'll kind of link them together. Baylor and Houston. The cool graphic. So Baylor, is, uh, that game gets canceled on Friday morning. Yeah, Shahan was. It was afternoon because yeah. Shahan was like, I was literally just about to leave. <laughs> um. Obviously, from what we understand, there's there's some COVID issues within the Baylor program. That's not good. No. Um. Most, you know, beyond that, you know, the fact that their first game is going to count. Is mm-hmm. now look if if you're gonna open up the season against somebody, you want to open it against Kansas. So yes. that's pretty. There solid. is a positive there. That's positive. But overall, it's like, you know, it's it's going to be right into the fire. They're only going to play yeah. nine games, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. It's just disappointing as we move on to Houston now. Houston next. It's just really disappointing that like for Houston, think about this. They've now had four games canceled. Okay, yeah. they're supposed to play Wazoo. That game got canceled because Pac-12 is not playing. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to play Rice. Rice is put off the bi- the Bayou bucket, and we'll get to that right. in a moment. Uh, then they were supposed to play Memphis. That game got postponed, at least. Yes. We don't know supposedly. what's going to happen there. Postponed. Uh, and then they were supposed to play Baylor. They can't. So, I mean, it's got to be frustrating for Dana Holgerson to just not be able to get on the field and play somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, so, Houston, next. Next up is Rice. They did not play, and they won't play for a long time. And I'm starting. But that's just me. Conspiracy theorist. I'm conspiracy. I'm conspiracy guy. You know me. <laughs> I'm glad you're finally owning up to conspiracy that. Conspiracy guy. TCU did not play. Did not play. And Texas A&M. All right, let's run it out with them, dude. Yeah. Seems like every Monday we come on here and we talk about how it's just like bad news for A&M. Yeah. And, and 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 for for those who didn't see Anthony Hines, who was supposed to be their starting linebacker, uh, opted out of the season. Uh, I guess yesterday. Yes, it was yesterday. Uh, Sunday Sunday afternoon. Um. I don't know if the pendulum has swung harder for any team than A&M. It's hard to think that there would be another team. Because first and foremost, their their schedule which was which was pretty manageable suddenly gets extreme much much more difficult or at least takes away a lot of the cupcakes, right? All mm-hmm. the cupcakes more or less. Yeah. That happens. Then all of these injuries 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, their tight end core is like, who's going to, like, it's, to- it's totally wiped out, more or less. Then, the last two weeks, we've come in here and talked about major opt-outs. Jamal Osmond, uh, two weeks ago, and now we're hit, sitting here talking about Anthony Hines. And look, make no mistake, like, I think... I don't. I don't think they have amazing depth at the linebacker spot. Not so much that you can just like go away from a starter and suddenly be like feel really good about what you've got back there. Um, yeah, look for AM, Like now, now you know, like their opener's coming. Their opener comes comes on Saturday theoretically. Um, but that is is been a. I feel like AM just needs to get on the field before more bad news happens. Right. Yeah. It's like you're you're running out of time and things that could go wrong. Go wrong. Right. <laughs> So I think they just need to get on the field. So anyway, there's your campus crawl. Uh, looking at that, did anybody guess the order? No, no one even took a guess. Oh, it's fine. It's the order of points scored in 2020. Texas State has scored more points, but they've also played three games. So, <laughs> anyway, there's that. And now we go to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment, final thoughts. And one of the final thoughts, I'm sure, is going to be: Did we have a winner of our pre-show trivia? We sure did. The correct answer was Lubbock Roosevelt and. Tristan Ormsby. Hey, Tristan. got it right did in Texas. In did we did we get his address? Yes, we sure did. Okay, fantastic. Uh, we will not read that on air. Tristan, um, uh, here's your, your, your Texas your social security number. Don't do that. I'm joking. Don't me. <laughs> we will uh, we'll put these in the mail for you today. Congratulations. That the, yes, Lubbock Roosevelt, the only UIL Texas high school ball eleven man team that has played uh, four games and not a lot of touchdown. They've allowed two. They haven't even allowed a field goal. They allowed a wow. safety. That's it. They've got two points all year. Love Roosevelt. Uh, off to a great start. Uh, do we have any other final thoughts? Yes. Uh, it was asked who the pl- Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week yes. was. It was Salado running back Noah Mesher. 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 Yes. Uh, Since he, we he weren't won. on. Sorry, on we weren't on on Friday. But yeah. uh, Noah Mesher from Salado won the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week for Week Three. We probably should have announced yes. that. Yes. We don't. Have, but congratulations to Noah Mesher, uh, deserving a recipient of the Week Three Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week award. And then the last one is we've got this hack Ishmael Johnson in the comments. Can we block him? Is that allowed? Am I allowed to block people? You're allowed to block people, but... I'm going to block Ish, then. Why? What's he doing? Oh, he's just trolling. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, have you met Ish? <laughs> he's just being Ish. <laughs> you're just like, I don't know, that seems like that seems like a, you... That seems like more on you not understanding the circumstances <laughs> as opposed to a problem with Ish. So... <laughs> That's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at texasfootball.com. Thanks again to Chris Lancaster of Little River Academy for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please can get your Player of the Year trophy. I'm going to get the shine off that. See? Look, it says Vince Ooh, Young. There you go. Please can get your Player of the Year trophy. See you tomorrow on Texas Football Today. Mm-hmm.